Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast brought to you by BetMGM. This is our group of five deep dive. I'm Mike Calabrese, joined by Mike Ionello. And before we get started, I'd like to give a big hearty thank you to everyone in our listenership, our audience, everyone reaching out at the passing of my father last week, who him and I, we just had a million memories together, as you can imagine. But in the world of college football in particular, he took me to my very first game. It was Michigan-Ohio State in the late 90s. Tom Brady led a fourth quarter drive. And basically from there, like my love of college football just blossomed. And we end up going to dozens of games together all over SEC country. And it was very meaningful to me, all the kind words, everything that was being shared on social media, in our you know um, comments, as well as our reviews. I really appreciate that. And a special thanks to the entire Action Network family. So many people kind of blew me away with you know, their kindness, their insight, you know, their caring. Um, And also Mike Ionello here was one of those. I really appreciate you keeping it all together with Tim Kalinowski. Last week, I listened to the show. I really loved it. I thought you guys did a great job. So from the Calabrese family to the Action Network family and everyone who listens, uh, we all really appreciate it. So thank you very much. Yeah, we are. We're happy to have you back. You know, we appreciate Tim filling in, but you know, I love Tim, but it just wasn't the same without you. So we are we're definitely happy to have you back. Although I, I don't know if you you said you listened to the show. There was a, we were pretty close to hitting the money line underdog parlay. You might have been Wally Pipped. We were a Wyoming blocked field goal, blocked extra point away from me and Tim cashing our our parlay. So we might have had to have him back just to do that section. He might. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know about Wally Pipp's career numbers. Probably a lot better than me in the money line underdog segment of this program. So I can't imagine <laughs> that uh, the GM would be all that's conflicted in terms of who they should go with. You know what's going to make me feel good? Getting back into our G5 Heroes of the Week because I have one that's a little bit obscure right off the bat. I love throwing out these names that you're like, who is that guy? I can be your hero, baby. 
We're going to start with Brian Hansen, the kickoff specialist for Colorado State, because there's nothing better than some late nights, tomfoolery, some, usually it was, you know, the Pac-12 after dark, this is the Mountain West after dark. Colorado State digs themselves a huge hole. They need their specialist to have some perfectly fine-tuned onside kicks. He does it. So the redshirt freshman, a walk-on, mind you, goes ahead. The first one perfectly executed. The second one also perfectly executed. He gets called back on a penalty. I believe they blocked a guy before it went 10 yards. But he gave them life, and really it swung the entire game. They don't win that game without those extra possessions. And just a shout-out to his hometown, Colleyville, Texas. That's where my college roommate uh, at Mizzou was from. So it's nice to see that Colorado State has kind of a, a national recruiting net going after a kid who actually initially um, was a commit for UTSA, but then walks on at Colorado State and really saves their season. As we were talking about before the show started, saving the Colorado State win total for sure. Now that that has life and has legs. So we'll see if Colorado State can also parlay that into maybe making a run and making it to the – Mountain West Conference Championship game. Still a ton of work to be done. Still a lot of issues with them offensively. They go through these prolonged funks. But in terms of the G5 Hero of the Week, for me, what's better than having a kickoff specialist? Brian Hansen, thank you for doing the Lord's work, getting the Rams back into it. Calories, I'm glad that a week apart didn't dull our chemistry one bit. Because I wrote down Braden Fowler Nicolosi. There we go. All right. <laughs> because your guy did the dirty work and put the ball back in Fowler Nicolosi's hands. Three touchdowns in the final four minutes. 33-yard touchdown pass with zero seconds left to win, as you mentioned it. Saved our Colorado State win total. Tim asked me about this game on the pod. I said, obviously, I love the Rams, but I feel like they've burned us too many times where we trust them and they don't win. And just when I think we're out, they pull us back in. <laughs> so maybe maybe foreshadowing something to come on the show. but. Yep, we're we're right there. We're riding the Rams once again. All right, let's kick it straight to our best bets here in week eight. Try to get off to a hot start. Um, I'll let you go first this time. Yeah, I'm putting my money where my mouth is. Something that, you know, I gave out in back in the summer on our, our conference preview shows. I told you in the summer, I think Miami, Ohio wins the Mac. Well, this is basically a Mac title game preview. And I'm going to bet them in both games and hope I win one of them. I'll be honest, I hope it's the second one. But just in case it's not, I'm taking Miami, Ohio here. Plus one and a half against Toledo at home. I said it, and I think I've been proven right. Breck Abbott's the best quarterback in the MAC. He has 14 touchdowns, just four picks this year, 9.2 yards per attempt. I know I'm higher on Daquan Finn than you are. I know you don't like him at all. I still think he's pretty good, but he doesn't have the explosiveness that Gabbert does, especially this year with our boy, Gage Larvadane has established himself as the most explosive player in the MAC. He's averaging 21 yards per catch. He is so good. Joe Wilkins, another name transfer, has given them such a good possession guy, two lethal weapons. And Toledo's entire offense this year has been Penny Boone. And he's terrific. He runs the ball so well. But Miami has a great defense. They're 40th in the country in success rate against the run. And that's included bad games against Miami and Cincinnati. And if they're still that high. In three MAC games, They've allowed just 88 yards rushing per game. They don't allow big plays. They create a ton of havoc with Caden Woolard and Brian Uglu. And Matt Solopek is probably one of the best linebackers in the MAC. So he's great against the run. Finn has 12 big time throws this year and 10 turnover worthy plays. It hasn't fully bit him yet. But I think it's there. It's lingering. Toledo, their defensive numbers are fine. We know they're pretty good on defense. But look who they've played Illinois, 
Texas Southern, San Jose State, Western Michigan, Northern Illinois, UMass, and Ball State. Who's the best offense they've placed? They, they, they gave up seven yards per play to UMass and Northern Illinois. So I think Miami has the better defense. I know they have the better quarterback. And they're at home here, catching a point and a half. Give me Miami, Ohio here. I'm hoping for your sake, you know, there's, I wouldn't say go as far as say complaints from those, you know, students at Mac schools, but it's like, Maction is great for the TV audience. We love it. Having games on Tuesday and Wednesday, not so much for the fan experience. You look at the crowds and there's like 200, 300 people. They better show out for this game. This better be a packed house. This is an opportunity to insert yourself in, you know, arguably finishing the year ranked. If you go ahead and win this and then win out and win the Mac title. This is it for Miami of Ohio. It's been a culmination. Can they keep Gabbard healthy? Can they find somebody on the perimeter to replace Hippenhammer? They did engage Larvidane. And I agree with you. He's the most electric playmaker in this entire conference. So I, you know, gun to my head, I'm going to go with you on the Red Hawks. I think this is the right play. This is the right side of it. I tried to be measured, kind of listening to your rationale, because I'm not a Finn fan in terms of, you know, when they really need him in big games. So we're going to see if I get burned, but I'm going to go with Miami of Ohio. Also like Toledo in general in big games. Yes. I, and, you know, I agree with when you look at their schedule this year, they just haven't impressed me as much as I thought they would. Potentially as, you know, the preseason Mac favorite, you would think that they'd really show out in some of these games. And the running game has has popped. And Penny Boone, I agree, is somebody that you have to bottle up and corral in this game. But outside of that, I just don't see anything necessarily special. Conference champion to be feared kind of special out of this Rockets team. All right, I'm going to go ahead and for the the finance listeners in our crowd, this is something you're not really supposed to do in the stock market, which is try to catch a falling knife. You want to see a stock kind of bottom out first and then try to see if there's value. I don't care. I'm trying to catch this bad boy. I'm going San Jose State laying five and a half against Utah State, and I'll, I'll make it pretty pretty simple here. San Jose State's run defense is just awful. It's the worst in the Mountain West. Their defensive success rate overall is 116th in the country. But the reason why I say catch the falling knife on this one, their schedule, unbelievable. USC, Oregon State, Toledo, Air Force, and they played at Boise. That explains why their record is what it is. And then when I start to look in for moments of optimism, there's plenty. This offense can pop. They're 17th in explosiveness. They're 31st in success rate on the ground. And Kyrie Robinson has nine TDs in his last five games. Cordero, to me, is fine. I think he is properly positioned in this offense not to have to win games. He doesn't have to throw it 45 times. He doesn't need to go for 350 yards and multiple touchdowns for them to win. He just needs to protect the football. And this is up against a Utah State defense that cannot stop the run. Absolutely not. They're going to get shredded by Robinson in this game. They do stop explosive plays. But that's about it. That's the only good thing that you can say about this Aggies defense. So I'm going to go ahead and play a team that record-wise, when you're scrolling through your apps and you're looking you know, at, at the scoreboards, oh, San Jose State must stink. Just remember, this schedule was so daunting. They're losing to so many ranked teams, USC, Oregon State, Air Force, Toledo, who we just mentioned. They're not ranked, but they you know, are positioned to potentially win their conference. A lot of difficult games. I think it's hiding their value. I think they're a lot better. Even though Utah State has surprised both of us in terms of their feistiness this year. They end up covering by the hook against this exact same spread last week against Fresno. But I think San Jose State is better positioned just run, run, run. You saw it with Sherrod from Fresno State last week. I think you went for 130, a couple scores. I'm going to see even better numbers out of Robinson in this one. I'm going to go with the Spartans. Have we bet against Utah State in like five straight shows? I mean, you tell me. At this point, like I said, I'm just going to keep riding oh, yeah. it. because yeah, Fresno State, yeah. we had Colorado State, we had UConn. 
I, like, do we, I can't remember if we took Air Force or not, but it's been at least four. <laughs> well, eventually, I mean, you would think that we would be right at some point here. Yeah, a reminder to our audience, BBOC is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get a $1,500 paid back bonus in bets if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, now into one of my favorite segments. I missed it dearly in my, my week away, our round robin parlay. This is the G5 high five. So remember, these are five picks. Package them together however you see fit in a round robin. Twos, threes, fours if you're feeling extra spicy, or just go the whole way with a five-teamer parlay. And I believe you're doing the heavy lifting this week, Inello, with three. But you did promise a gross maction under, so I can't wait to hear that one. The G5 high five. Should we high five? High five! I'm going to end with that one. I'm going to start with welcoming you back in the perfect way fit. I got to get that hatred back bubbling up inside you. Give me oh, Memphis what? minus five and a half against UAB. Look, I bet Memphis last week against Tulane. Obviously, they lost that, but it's UAB, UAB ain't Tulane. And that was a weird game. Heading in through two bad picks. One of them, like, in and out of the receiver's hands. Their defense dropped, like, four picks that they should have had. Two of them were probably pick sixes. It was just kind of a, you know, I mean, it was the wrong side. Tulane's just good, but UAB's not. I still love Seth Hennigan. Demir Blankemsee and Rock Taylor are nasty. They both had great games against Tulane. They both went over 100 yards. I love this Rock Taylor cat. I love both of them. A big part of my handicap last week, too, was how good Blake Watson has been as a mm-hmm. runner and a receiver, that dual threat option. He got banged up early and played very limited snaps, and it showed. Hennigan did not have that safety blanket that he usually has. Ryan Silverfield called him day to day. Sounded optimistic. Yeah, you know. I'll feel a lot better about this if Watson's in, but I honestly still like it without him. That's why I'm giving it out. But he did sound optimistic. Hopefully he plays. UAB's 130th in the country in success rate on defense. They are miserable, and they can't stop the pass, and they can't stop the run. Memphis should be able to score at will here. UAB's been better on offense than I thought, but Memphis ranks 41st in the country on defense, 30th at creating havoc. UAB offensive line is terrible. And Memphis is fantastic against the pass. And UAB is top 10 in the country in pass attempts per game. That's kind of what they want to do. And that's what Memphis' strength is. We have seen when UAB plays teams that are better than them, they get their doors blown off. Georgia Southern beat them by 14. Louisiana beat them by 20. Memphis is better than both of them. Georgia obviously beat them by 28. Tulane beat them by 12. UTSA beat them by 21. I think coming off a frustrating loss against the defending conference champion, you know, that was kind of a measuring stick game for Memphis, and it was a disappointing loss. I expect the Tigers to flex a little here, get back on track. I think they run it up against UAB. They got an extra day's rest. Give me the Tigers. Because my first addition to the round robin is the the rationale is so brief. I can spend a little extra time on this one. (laughs) Getting back in the swing of things this week, what do I need to do first? Of course, sit down and watch the Trent Dilfer press conference on Monday, (laughs) which I did. And now, I mean, now I consider the guy like, you know, essentially a part of my weekly routine. So I know the ebb and flow. I know his body language. I know when he's holding back from saying something or when he's really, you know, spitting the truth up on his little podium that says fire breathers only. He is essentially moving on to next year. 
he knows that he does not have the horses on defense. Like he he says one or two nice things about, you know, their D tackles. And that's basically it. Everybody else, they're just trying to get them lined up right. They're just trying to make sure they don't have any critical errors. But when it comes to slowing anybody down, they can't do it at all. And I agree with you. If Blake Watson's a go in this game, I think they're going to get lit up. I think they'll give up north of 40 points. And offensively, Zeno has exceeded my expectations, but they're still not explosive enough. I like that true freshman or retro freshman they have at, at wide receiver. He's been you know a bright spot for them. But outside of that, I just don't see UAB being able to hold up. Second part of this handicap, do you know what the trophy they're playing for in this one? Because this is a rivalry game between UAB and Memphis. <laughs> really? I don't. Yes, it is. And it's one of the coolest trophies in the game. And Trent was you know sure to point out that the AD allowed him to try to pick it up and he could barely do it. It's like 81 pounds. It is the Battle of the Bones. And uh, feel free to look it up on your phone, everybody. It is a big old slab of ribs bronzed on top of like a little mini podium. It's incredible. Um, it's why I love college football. You know, I want more of these like weird, like the platypus cup and like all the shillelagh and all this stuff that they play for. But the playing for ribs the press corps in Birmingham tried to entrap Dilfer. He was, you know, pretty wily. He walked his way out of it, but he was saying, you know, do you prefer dry ribs, the dry rub of Memphis style? Do you like, you know, the, the slathered in sauce kind of Birmingham style? And he was very wise to say that he's a Birmingham man all the way. I, I am as well. I prefer my, my ribs that way. If you really pay me enough, we'll massage your feet in any of these sauces also. Hopping to my addition to the round robin this week. And as I said, it is a very brief synopsis. Air Force traveling to Annapolis to play the Middies. Navy getting 11 and a half. It's too many points. Plain and simple. Service Academy versus Service Academy. When a team is catching double digits as a dog, they've covered 64% of the time dating back to 1996. Air Force, in their last 16 games as a favorite against Navy, dating all the way back to 1998, they're 4 and 12 against the spread. Their last six trips to Annapolis as a favorite, they're 1 and 5 against the spread. So, I just view this as teams that are familiar with scheme. Navy's, you know, made a few modifications to their system, but it's still essentially a triple option. They know what they're getting against Air Force. And the last four weeks, Navy's looked pretty decent. They got two wins outright. They nearly upset Memphis on the road. They looked very good defensively in that game. They're trending up. Alex Teha, Texha, I should say, is killing it at fullback. He's averaging over eight yards per carry. And in his last four games alone, he's got four scores, 457 yards, and over nine yards per carry. So I'm not going to get enamored with, you know, the offensive stats because this is just going to be one of those running clock kind of games, few possessions. You may have, you know, two, three possessions in an entire quarter, double digits. That's too many. I'll take a Navy team. That seems feisty. I think they'll get to, you know, let's call it five wins. Maybe they can flirt with six and bowl eligibility in Newberry's first year. I like what Navy has here. And as much as I want, like we're very close to one of my dream scenarios. I shared this on Twitter a couple of years ago things that I need to see happen. I want to see another defensive player win the Heisman. I want to see a service academy in the year six game. I think it would be awesome. You know, obviously they're all national institutions. Their fans and alumnus live all over the country. They would just go berserk to play in like the Fiesta Bowl or the Cotton Bowl. I think that would be awesome. Rune for Air Force. I just think this is too many points here. What do you think? Yeah, I don't love it. Um, I I certainly wouldn't lay them with Air Force, Mm -hmm. like you said. But I just, I think this Air Force team is, I mean, uh, I believe Zach Larrier is out, which does kind of concern me a little bit. That is yeah. big. But the, this Air Force team is so good, and I just think Navy sucks. So I'm kind of 
I you're, think, I think you're sleeping on this Navy defense. As I said, they held Memphis to 28 points, which is not not easy. And they shut out Charlotte. Like they're doing what they're supposed to do in these games. They're shortening games and they're not giving up explosives at the same rate as they were last year under under Ken Nia Matalolo. So I think they've improved. I just I'm surprised. I feel like this is a, like an autoplay situation for you. I know you respect Air Force a no, lot. That's, that's, like a, that's, a, that's Stucky's the move. I don't. I never bet Service Academy anything other than like the autoplay's the under. All right, we're laying down the track here. What's the next one in the round robin? All right, I'm gonna take Georgia State plus three against Louisiana. You're giving me the thumbs up. I always love seeing that. Louisiana beat an FCS school, UAB, Buffalo, and then Texas State in a game they were outscored by over 100 yards. Are they any good? The Cajuns have been able to run the ball well, but their defense is horrific. They're 110th in the country in success rate on defense, and they're especially bad against the run. They're 124th in the nation defending the run. They've allowed over 175 yards on the ground in three straight games, over 200 in the last two games. They've allowed eight rushing scores in the last three games. Well, all Georgia State does is run the ball. (laughs) Marcus Carroll is averaging 123.7 yards per game on the ground, 10 rushing scores. He's a monster. He's averaging over five yards per carry. We know what Darren Granger could do with his legs. He's kicked in 58 yards per game, five scores himself. He's also throwing the ball a lot better this season compared to last year. He's averaging over 230 yards per game. His completion percentage is up to 69%. So he gives them kind of that dual throw ability. We didn't really see with them last year. All they did was run it. They're still running it. But now they have that throwing option. And the Georgia State rush defense has been awesome. That's what they're very good at. They've struggled to defend the pass. Like I said, the only thing Louisiana does well is run the ball. Ben Wooldridge has been hurt. So freshman Zeon Chris is starting. He's got seven touchdowns, four picks. He's averaging just 18 pass attempts per game. So I think this sets up nicely for what Georgia State wants to do. I think they're better than people expected. We've seen them. They, They beat Coastal. We've seen them have some good wins. Louisiana's beaten nobody. I think the wrong team's favored here. So and I think the matchup sets it up well, where they're going to run the ball on a bad rush defense, and they're going to stop the run. Give me Georgia State plus three here. Granger, another little tidbit, has kept a clean sheet, no interceptions in five of his six starts this year. That's critical because when he protects the football and they keep the chains moving and he adds in his dual threat elements, I agree. I think they're the much better team in this one. I think Louisiana is a paper tiger, and they're going to get exposed particularly game flow wise when they can't run the ball whether they're you know playing from behind or a tie game or they just want to run it they're not going to have the same kind of success they've had against a really lousy schedule you mentioned some of the teams they played four teams outside of the Sagar in top 100 so I, I think this is going to be a wake-up call for them this fall season is in full swing which means if you're like us you're busy watching football you might be so busy that you're looking for a more convenient way to eat and factor ready to eat meals in just two minutes can take care of you Factor can help you fuel up for breakfast, for lunch, for dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian-approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, you'll eat well, and you'll stay on track with a healthy lifestyle. This October, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door, ready in just two minutes, no prep, no mess. I can speak from my own personal experience. As soon as they were delivered to my house, I could barely keep them in the fridge. I was eating multiple (laughs) every single day. I was like, you know what, factor. Also add in breakfast, lunch, snack, snack before dinner, late nights, uh, college football watching, little meal to go there. There's plenty of ways to enjoy. And Ainelo and I can both attest. They're fantastic. So head to factormeals.com slash BBOC50 and use code BBOC50. That's five zero. 
get 50% off. That's code BBOC50 at factormeals.com slash BBOC50 to get 50% off. All right, to close out my additions to the round robin, I'm going New Mexico State minus three at UTEP. Let's start with the fact we've been talking rivalries. This one's got three rivalry names, which I love. Of course, the first one, we always bow down to our corporate sponsors. First Light Federal Credit Union Battle of I-10. They're also competing for the Silver Spade Trophy and the Mayor's Cup. These two schools, it's one of the closest FBS rivalries. They're only separated by 40 miles, even though it's across the Texas-New Mexico state border. Um, So it's one of the, you know, most passionate in terms of familiarity rivalries in all of college football. And New Mexico State here is in a really good position to get bowl eligible for the second straight year under Jerry Kill, but they need this win. So they're laser focused in, and we've talked about Dana Dimmel. There's a good chance he's going to finish, you know, for the fifth time in six years with a losing record. He's got to go four and one or better, you know, to avoid that. I don't see that. They have a quarterback who two months ago was fourth on their depth chart up against a kill defense that's now ranked 37th in Havoc. And just like last year, I feel like this is a carbon copy. The defense keeps getting better, and Diego Pavia, Diego, 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 has been getting better and better. He's averaging 90 yards per game on the ground in his last four starts, 10 total TDs in that time against just one pick. So as he plays at a higher level, this team's ceiling just goes way up. And it's up against a UTEP you know, defense that used to hang their hat on being able to stop the run. They can't do that anymore. I just think this is white flag time for Dimmel, for the kids on the team. It just doesn't seem like it, it came together. This is a team that really needed to win their close games the last two to three years to be on the verge of bowl eligibility, you know, season in, season out. They're not doing it this year. I think they're going to get dump trucked in this one. The number kind of opens, I believe, at two. It's bubbled up to three and a half. I would play it all the way up to, you know, minus six. I think New Mexico State's the class team here, and they certainly have a huge advantage at quarterback. It, it seems like the same thing happened last year. It's like the, the weather gets cold and Diego gets hot. That's just how <laughs> as the season gets on. He just he just gets he, he just takes a while to heat up, you know, and then he gets then he gets cruising down the stretch. So yeah, I definitely like this game. Basically, since he broke the seal, so to speak, Diego's just been absolutely popping off for the Aggies. You know, since that video leaked, he's just uh, gone to a different level. So I appreciate Diego. I'm glad that I didn't have to shelf him for the entire year after a rough start. You know, did not play well against UMass in that opener, but. Like I said, the last four games, he's been the quarterback. I was hoping he was the Juco national champion, you know, kind of that gutsy leader. And just it's not just him either. You know, it's it's run, run, run. So they don't need him to throw the ball more than probably 20 times in this game to get the dub. So I, I really like that. The New Mexico State games were both on. This game's Wednesday night. Should we uh, should we should we jump in the in the Action Network Discord? Maybe it get a uh, if we get all our listeners to join and ride that bet with us. Should we all? Have a little, have a little grouper in the Action Network Discord on a Wednesday night. I'm, I'm in. You, you don't need to threaten me with a good time. I can't <laughs> wait because either way, I'm going to get peppered with all of my, you know, overly rosy glass looking, you know, Aggies, you know, Aggies profiles for this whole year. Ba- basically, every time I break them down, I'm playing them. So I'm going to go put my money where my mouth is. I'll be there. We can chop it up. We can also talk uh, college football player props. They'll be, you know, slowly trickling in by Wednesday. So I think it'll be a good time to talk college football game. Yeah, I believe we'll put the uh, we'll put the link in the description to the podcast. If you guys want to chop it up with us on a Wednesday night, nine o'clock, me and Calabrese will be in the Action Network Discord. It's free to join. Link will be in the description. We'll talk some props. If you guys, if you guys have any other questions about the weekend, maybe we'll, you know, we can pick. You guys can pick our brains on other games. 
But most importantly, let's all bet the Aggies. We'll sweat it together a little a little late night, Wednesday night, CUSA. So if you guys are riding with us, jump in the Discord and we'll, we'll kind of all chop it up and, and root on Diego, Diego together. Diego, Diego. All right, for my last pick, I mentioned it. I'm going with a gross under. I got the I got the push at 42 and my Kent State under. So I'm going a little bit lower here. I'm testing my boundaries. I wish I had the 42, but it's 41 and a half. I'm still going to take it. Give me Central Michigan, Ball State, under 41 and a half. This might be a weekly thing. The offenses in the MAC are so bad that, especially when we shift to Tuesday and it gets colder and wetter and rainier, I might just bet a gross under the MAC every week. These are two teams that just cannot and do not throw the ball. Central Michigan is averaging 192 passing yards per game, seven touchdowns, nine picks. Ball State's averaging 168 yards per game, seven touchdowns, seven picks. Jace Bauer has been the guy for the chips. He's more of a runner than a passer. Disappointing for our chips' futures, although it still has a shot. Uh, We've just not seen the Burt Emanuel we saw last year. He's got two touchdowns all year. He's averaging less than four yards per carry. The explosiveness with him is just not what we saw. Ball State's offense has been so bad, they benched Lane Hatcher, who's like on his seventh school. Backup Caden Samanza is redshirting, so he's just not playing. Kale Kelly is who started last week. He's basically a Wildcat quarterback. He had 16 pass attempts, 18 rush attempts. He completed four passes the whole game, four to his own team, one to the other team. Not the best ratio. These teams rank 104th and 121st in success rate on offense. I expect these two teams to just run the ball over and over and over, bleed the cock. And while neither team is great on defense, the offenses should make their jobs easy. Again, it's a Saturday. Don't watch this game. Don't even check the scores. Just check the action network app when it's over and hope to God they score less than 40 points. Give me Central Michigan, Ball State under 41 and a half. I'm going to check one thing, weather.com. Because I'm assuming it's raining and gross. A little <laughs> added bonus. There's a chance of rain, but more importantly, sustained winds of 15 miles per hour gusts up to 28 miles per hour. That's what I'm talking about. I'm looking to like neither of these teams really want to throw the ball that much anyway. But maybe they'll miss some more field goals. Yeah, just miss field goals. Have some <laughs> you know weird elements to the game. A lot of playing in between the 20s. I like that. I love also, the only, also the only reason my the only reason my Kent State Eastern Michigan over pushed was because they literally started the game with Kent State tried to do an onside kick to start the game and Eastern Michigan housed it for a touchdown. It's just like come on. So if that doesn't happen, if they kick it deep, that under hits. So we're going back to the well. All right, we're going to close out this week as we always do with our money line underdog parlay. It's pretty quick here. I'm surprised you didn't go with the money line on Georgia State. I think they should be favored. You hit all the, the main points. I pulled the U this week. <laughs> yes. <laughs> In addition to everything that you pointed out and why I think Louisiana is just ripe to get dump trucked in this game. One added element of this is not only has Georgia State been really good in terms of run blocking, but also their line has been great in terms of protecting from the negative plays happening to Granger, they're 20th in avoiding havoc in the entire country. And because of that, I think they're going to be playing from a position where they're ahead for a lot of this. It really opens up the playbook to them. I love what they've been able to do, you know, in terms of the, the passing rushing balance. And Carroll is a bell cow at this point, someone who had been more or less a member of a running back by committee for the majority of his career. There was probably questions, I think rightfully so. Could he be a feature back? He is. And this Louisiana team, I think this is finally the, the the visual. The coyote runs off the cliff, but the legs keep going. He hasn't dropped yet. 
this is the moment. They're dropping straight down. Give me the Panthers. I think, you know, plus 120, plus 125. Let's keep it. Let's keep it. You know, the, <laughs> at this point, I need to get some dubs on the sheet. So let's go with a small underdog in this spot. See, look at us trading rolls. You're taking the small, you know, field goal dog, just like, yeah, they can easily win this game. And I'm I'm pulling a normal calibres move where I'm taking a touchdown dog and saying, keep your damn touchdown. I'll take I'll take the money line. I don't feel good about it. Give me Charlotte plus two twenty five. The fight in Biff Pogies, you are making a very gross face. Look, Charlotte sucks. Okay. They stuck. They rank 127th on offense. They can't run the ball. They can't pass the ball. But unlike those Will Hilly teams at the end, of, especially his time, this Charlotte team is 49th in the country in success rate on defense. And the 49ers are especially good at defending the run. They held Georgia State, team we both just mentioned we love, 102 rushing yards. They held Florida to 111 yards rushing. Last week, Navy, 173 yards on 40 carries. I think East Carolina is a very similar team to Charlotte. They're 128th in success rate on offense. They've been one of the worst teams in the country at finishing drives. They can't score. They also can't pass the ball. They can't run the ball. They've been rotating two quarterbacks. They're both horrible. I think coming into the season, ECU started much, much higher in power ratings than Charlotte did, just based on, you know, last year, the past couple of years. And I think these books and power rating systems are just too slow to kind of bring them together. If you watch these two teams, if you dig into the numbers, there's really nothing different about them. They both suck on offense and are pretty good against the run defensively. Defenses should dominate this game. You know, honestly, it's probably a good under bet as I'm talking about it. I don't even know what the number is, but it's probably low. But it's probably a good under game, which also, you know, presents good value on an underdog. But the one area that stuck out to me the most as like a very green against very red was Charlotte is 37th in the country in explosiveness on offense. East Carolina is 133rd at defending explosiveness. Charlotte's especially explosive on the ground. I just think seven is too many points for two very similar teams. I don't usually bet underdogs, so I'll probably just bet Charlotte plus seven. But I also think plus 225 is just way too much on a money line for these teams that they both just stink. And if you're giving me 225 on a bad team against a bad team, it's like, yeah. You know, no one's gonna be surprised if Charlotte wins this game. So give me, give me the fat one here. You took the little small one, like I usually do. So we'll trade places and we'll we'll hope it works. <laughs> Forty and a half on that total, by the way. Um, yeah, the the only part that I can talk myself into from a mindset perspective is this is a year zero with Biff, and he's trying to you know build the culture and kind of get any kind of positivity. And I think he has a better chance messaging wise to get his kids up for a game like this, as opposed to ECU, who have been a perennial bowl team for years with Mike Houston. Hold nailers, not walking through that door. They're sitting at, what is it, one and five right now? They're not going bowling. So Both one and five. it's easy to look at it to your credit and say, oh, these, these teams are similar. I'll just go with the home team. Where it's like, not really. There, there was one who kind of figured they'd be in a spot like this, which was Charlotte as they rebuild. And another team that I'm sure in terms of this being a rebuilding year and having new pieces at quarterback and everything else, still thought to themselves, particularly after that Michigan game, they played hard down the stretch. And it's like, all right, as soon as we get into conference play, we get out of you know these paycheck games, things are going to start going our way. It hasn't. So from an emotional perspective, I can see the value on a team like Charlotte, even though what exactly are we banking on here? Just to win the turnover battle kind of thing? Like that's essentially what yeah, we're going to do. We're betting on, the, yeah, we're betting on Finn, Finn and Garcia turn the ball over. And Jones hits, breaks a big run. 
and they win 7 of them. <laughs> All right, we'll close it out here. Were there any games? It sounds to me like this was kind of a lean slate for you, and this we were squeezing the toothpaste tube just to get out all the round-robin picks and some of these Moneyline underdogs, but were there any picks on the cutting room floor? Yeah, I, 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 you mentioned it. I had New Mexico State uh, against UTEP on Wednesday, and I also had New Mexico against Hawaii uh, as a short home dog there. Hawaii's been better, but I still don't think they're great. So I'd still probably have New Mexico a little bit ahead of them, especially at home. So those are kind of the only two I really, I really considered. For me, the one that I was kind of on, and I didn't pull the trigger here on the pod just because, I mean, let's be honest, they've been a freight train just running over everybody since moving up to FBS. But how good is James Madison? Like, really do we know? Because <laughs> their really schedule really has good. been really rough in terms of like they played Bucknell, they played Virginia, so they get like you know, an FCS school and one of the worst FBS teams right out of the gate. And yes, they've looked impressive. They continue to improve defensively. They look like a wagon. My question is, offensively, is this smoke and mirrors? Or is this truly another Centeo situation where he's just the quarterback whisperer? He gets these transfer cast offs that nobody else wants, and he turns them into top 30 quarterbacks. Ah, I think this is the spot. If you don't believe that James Madison's going to run the table, and then get hosed by the NCAA saying that they can't play in the title game and everything else. If that's true, you got to play Marshall plus three and a half. Once it's over that hook, Marshall is a team that plays well at home. They have the upside offensively. I know they're running into statistically one of the very best run defenses in the country, but Rasheen Ali is a future NFL running back. I don't know if he'll be a starter in the NFL. He'll definitely, he'll probably like go to the LA Rams where like, you know, every other week they're like, this is our new starting running back. He'll run for a hundred yards, get hurt. And then, you know, you never hear from him again. <laughs> I think he's like that level where if he gets to the pros, he gets the right scenario. Like he can catch, he can break big runs. He can move the pile. Like he can do it all. So they are going to need him to break a Duke's run defense that has not been broken. But with all that being said, I think the value is there. I think James Madison does drop a game this year. And I think at the very least, I'll go ahead and take over the key number of three. Yeah, I, you know, I love Marshall. I'm on their win total over as you are. I can't do it. I think James Madison is really, really good. And I think they just are consistently undervalued. Uh, I wouldn't play it at three and a half. Uh, but if it dropped to three, I would consider uh, taking the Dukes. If it dropped to two and a half, I would definitely take James Madison here. I just think, like you said, this run defense is so good, and we haven't seen anyone beat them. And as much as I love Rasheen Ali, if James Madison can slow him down a little bit, we just we still still have not seen Cam Fancher do anything remotely resembling competent quarterback play. That if if Ali's taken out of the equation at all. I don't think Fancher could beat anybody. So I'm still, I just think it's a bad matchup for Marshall. So I'll, I would take the Dukes if it got under three at three and a half. I probably just let it ride and, and hope Marshall wins for our win total. Speaking of win totals, UConn, not going to get there. South Florida land two and a half. They seem like a pretty good offense and UConn's not exactly the team to take advantage of every bad defense they play. I could maybe see them in a shootout. I think if I were to play South Florida, lay in the points, do the same game parlay, go over 54 and a half and lay the points. I could see them winning like a 38-31 kind of game, just like it gets crazy. Um, but UConn, same scenario, like in terms of rationale, talking about fading an ECU team that was a bowl team. UConn was a bowl team last year. They had hopes for another good year and 
They just they lost their full identity on defense. defense they just doesn't like stop anybody all of a sudden. The so. defense is just not what it was. Although, and like you said, to the over point, I do think Roberson's looked better over the last week or two. But yeah, the defense just was not what we thought it would be. All right, our official cutting room floor number there then is over 54 and a half. All right, for Mike Ionella, I'm Mike Calabrese. This has been the Big Bets on Campus podcast, our group of five deep dive presented by BetMGM. A reminder to our audience that you can catch Colin and Stuck for the full rundown. They usually hit, I don't know, 60, 70 games in a 90-minute window. It's incredible the amount of detail and depth they get into. That'll drop on Thursday. Then our live show on Saturday, I'll have my G5 Best Bet of the Week. And then their entire show, their three-man weave of Brett McMurphy, Colin, Stuckey, giving you all the last-minute pieces of information, line movement, injury updates. And then for the rest of our programming, you know, the the new BCS has been a really fun listen on a weekly basis. And on Fridays, Tim Kalinowski and I, the BBOC tailgate, we give out our college football player props, continuing to to run hot in that department. Tim K did a great job filling in solo last week. He went two and one. I'll be back to give out five picks in total. All right, that's it for us. Hopefully this is a great weekend for college football. Hopefully for our Penn State futures, they take care of the Buckeyes in Columbus. I know we don't talk that much power five football but we're all on the same page there in the action network family so enjoy and we'll see you next week action network reminds you please gamble responsibly if you or someone you care about has a gambling problem help is available 24 7 at 1-800-GAMBLER